Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's the Last Stand Podcast. And here's your host, Brian Custer. That's right. The last stand, the unfiltered straight talk from some of the biggest celebrities, from sports and entertainment. And, you know, today's guest comes from the sport of boxing. This guy's a former welterweight champion. One time he was the IBF champion. He was the former WBC welterweight champion. He's known as Showtime Sean Porter. Sean, welcome to the last stand. What's happening, BC? It's good to have you on the program, my brother. Uh, listen, yeah, Look, the last time that we saw you in the ring, you got this really a lopsided victory over uh, Sebastian Formella. Formella, yeah. yeah. Uh, realistically, when will we see Sean Porter back in the ring? Realistically, we got uh, now one thing happening. There were two things. Now we're, now we're just waiting on one. So I am the mandatory for the WBO title, the IBF title, and the WBC title. Uh, in the welterweight division, uh, w- WBO champion is still Terrence Crawford. That's the fight that I want. And now we're just waiting on the second thing to happen. We're waiting to figure out who's going to win this fight between Danny Garcia and Earl Spence Jr. Uh, that guy is will be unified, and then I'll be looking to either fight the unified champion or fight the WBO champion. And when when could we see you then, it, realistically? Is, I mean, obviously it'd be 2021. Uh, do you know what month that we're talking about? Realistically, I, I took a look at it. I know that <laughs> hypothetically, if Danny Garcia wins this fight, he's the guy who only really fights once a year. I don't see him getting in the ring before summer, uh, if not the, spa, the fall. Uh, if it happens to be Earl Spence Jr., I could see him getting in the ring a little sooner, late spring, early summer. I don't see Earl Spence waiting until late summer. I, if, I'm, if, if I'm fighting Earl Spence Jr., it'll be around the months of maybe – May or June, and if it's uh, if 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 Terrence Crawford and I decide to make this fight happen, we'll we'll be fighting. I, I could see us fighting late spring, uh, before the summertime. So uh, to to sum it up, I know I said a whole lot, but to sum it up, uh, Terrence Crawford, I could see us fighting maybe around April, May. Errol Spence Jr., I could see us fighting maybe around May or June, June, July. And if it's uh, Danny Garcia, I could see us getting in the ring maybe closer to July or August. He likes to. I, I love I love uh, when I have guys of your caliber on um, because I love giving asking this question. If it was up to you, name your next three opponents. If it's up to me, um, if it's up to me, Manny Pacquiao, Danny, excuse me, uh, Terrence Crawford. And then more than likely Earl Spence Jr. I think mm. if it was up to me, it would be Manny Pacquiao, Terrence Crawford, Earl Spence Jr. And, and tell me why, whether it's uh, you, whether it's Terrence Crawford we've had on the show, whether it's Errol Spence who we've had on the show, why everyone throws out Manny Pacquiao? 
Well, it, it, that's the first name you say. For me, it's it's a multiple reasons. I think the number one reason is I think that I have a I have the greatest chance out of all the guys out there at beating Manny Pacquiao. I think that I have the opportunity to make the fight with Manny Pacquiao more exciting than anybody else out there in the welterweight division. And of course, there's there is always the 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 money that's linked to Manny Pacquiao. You can't ignore that. Um, but for me, I I just for me, I think that I have the the best opportunity to beat him. And I also think that I, I have the opportunity to make it the most exciting fight uh, whenever it does happen of the year. You know, so it, I, if it happens in 2021, it will be the fight of the year. Um, what did you think about uh, the young Connor Ben who uh, came out and said, listen, quote, I dominated Sebastian Formella and beat him more convincingly than Sean Porter did? Uh, I, I, I saw a little bit of the fight. I saw mostly highlights. Uh, his fighting style is a little different. It's not like mine, and especially in that fight. You know, obviously, you know, when we're talking boxing styles make fights, I think that uh, Sebastian was able to hit him more. I think Sebastian was more was in the more of a situation where he wasn't just in survival mode against Conor uh, Ben, and I don't think that Conor Ben is on my level, you know. So uh, I don't know if he was trying to take shots. I don't know if he was just trying to – become a little bit more relevant after the fight or whatever. But I think that's what's going to happen. You, We just had uh, uh, Devin Haney fight uh, the kid from Cuba. and Gamboa. Uh, Gamboa, excuse me. And everybody's going to compare that fight with Gamboa's fight with Tank Davis, you know? So it's just, that's what, that's what happens in boxing. But I don't think he beat me more, beat Formella more convincingly than I did. And I don't think he looked better than I did. Hmm. Do you think he's trying to inch his way closer to a fight with you? Uh, I don't know if it's inching towards a fight with me or just be trying to become relevant in the weight class and, and kind of say, hey, I deserve an opportunity, whether that's to fight Sean Porter or to fight anyone else with the belt or someone else of, of a more significant caliber. So I think more than anything, you just say, hey, look, look at what I did against this guy. Look at me, you know? Uh, we had Terrence Crawford uh, here on the show recently, and it, it, during our, our talk, he said that you and him had a conversation. Yeah. Uh, he said you guys talked personally. Yeah. My question is, why hasn't then a Crawford versus Porter fight happened? The point in time when I called him, it was just before I had gotten mm, – it might have been just after I found out that I was going to fight for Miller. When I spoke with Crawford, it was back in maybe early July, right around there. And I just, simple conversation. Hey, we, we are we going to do this or what? What's going on? You know, and then we had our conversation. Basically, he says, hey, man, I'm working on something big right now. And I said, all right, I'm going to respect that. I'm not going to step on your toes, man. Make it happen, whatever it is, make it happen. I don't think at that point in time it was – uh, Kill Brook that he was working on, um, but he said he was working on something big and 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 the respect that I have for him and also his career. I said, all right, I'm gonna let you do what you do. I said, hey man, I, I know they're about to line me up with somebody, and you're better than the dude. And I just wanted to see if it, if we can make it happen, and uh, that's it. You know, simple as that. Uh, we have not had a had a conversation about fighting each other since early July, late July. And um, maybe we'll, we'll we'll come back around after this fight with with uh, Errol Smith Jr. and Danny Garcia. 
Um, what did you think then of uh, Bob Barum? Uh, Bob Abram coming out and basically saying, look, I can't make money yeah. off of promoting Terrence Crawford. It's just I, I lose too much money. What, what did you think about him making it public? And, you know, hey, look, when Terrence was on the show, he even said, you know, hey, it's a business decision. My, my deal with Top Rank is up over next year. And if I have to get these big-time fights with these guys, you never know. I may be a member of the PBC. He's going to make a business decision, and he's going to do what's best for him. I mean – People don't understand this, but when I when I called him and talked to him in July or whatever, we were on the phone for 30 minutes to to almost an hour. And it wasn't just talking about boxing. We were talking about our lives, our families. Like we have a genuine friendship and, and I and I respect that and, and appreciate that, which is why I'm gonna with anybody else, I'll get in the ring and call you out if you're Danny Garcia. I'll show up in your backyard if you're Aerosmith Jr. But with him, I just really appreciate him as as a as a person. Um, so when our, when we talked, it was not just about boxing. Um, when it, so I know him. I'm just saying that to say I know him. When it comes time for him to uh, extend his contract with with top rank or decide whatever he's going to do, he's going to make a business decision based on what's best for his career and what's best for his family. I definitely can see him making a move to PBC because this is where the money can be made and this is where the biggest fights can be made. If you're Bob Arum. I got a feeling Bob Aram is feeling is uh, is understanding that he may he may be ready to make that move, and because it's going to happen, I'm just going to say how I feel. I don't think he should do that. I think anybody who's who's wanting to keep their client, they're going to wine and dine their client and do whatever it takes to keep their client. So I got a feeling Bob knows what's going to happen. I think Bob's just going to take some shots anyway because he feels like the inevitable is going to happen. However, I don't feel that what he said was right. I don't agree with it. All those type of things you keep in house. You never like that. let that kind of stuff out because once it gets out, now you and I are talking about it. Everybody's going to talk about it. And and now if, if Terrence Crawford decides to stay with top rank, now you got to mend all of these different things that you've said. Every, that's going to be the topic of discussion. Nobody's going to talk about, oh, he stayed with Bob. Everyone's talk about why he stayed with Bob. Why is he staying with you? You know, so... I think that uh, I really do have a feeling that Bob is like, hey, the inevitable is about to happen. Let me just take these shots anyway. But it's something I think he should have should have left at home. Um, you know, I, I thought it was interesting uh, talking with Terrence. And I, he said, listen, and this was Terrence Crawford talking. It's funny how uh, guys like Thurman are calling me out when uh, all those guys had the belts None of them wanted to fight me. Yeah. Um, but then all of a sudden, they wanted to keep those belts on the PB side of the street. He goes, now you look at some of these guys, he says, whether it's Porter, whether it's Thurman, he goes, none of these guys have the belts anymore. And all of a sudden, my WBO belt has become relevant. They had no interest in fighting me in the past. Now they want to fight me. What's your response to that? I spoke on this in my in my my last episode of the Porter Wave podcast which drops every Tuesday. Last episode, I made it clear. Prior to him fighting Jose Benavidez, I never saw myself fighting him. So leading up to Jose Benavidez, when he first moved to the welterweight division, I talked to him right before he moved to the division. I said, yo, you really moving up? He said, yeah. I said, man, I was like, what are you moving up for? He said, man, I done cleaned out the division. They want me to stay at 140, but I want to move up. I looked, I said, so who you going to fight? 
He said, man, I want the same guy you want. I said, who is that? He's like, Danny Garcia. At that time, I hadn't fought Danny. So when he moved up to the, to the welterweight division, I was just like scratching my head. Like, I never saw myself fighting this guy, man. It's, I don't, no, nah, I'm not going to fight him. He, he fights Jose Benavidez, and I'm sitting there by myself watching the fight. And when he knocked out Jose, I sat back. I was like, damn, I might have to fight this dude. Like he and I and then I just these thoughts. I'm like, he's he's that good. He's that exciting to watch. Damn, I might have to fight this dude. Now I was like, no, nah, we'll, we'll we'll talk. We'll, maybe we will, maybe we won't, you know. But since he fought Jose Benavidez, and since the talks of him fighting the Errol Spence Jr. started to happen, it was him and, and Errol. Never cared. That's that's y'all thing. Y'all do y'all thing. But after my fight with Errol Spence Jr., everybody's saying, oh, maybe. The fight with Terrence Crawford and Sean Porter would be good. Then Errol Spence gets into his accident, and now everybody's like, we don't want to see that fight anymore. We want Terrence and Sean. And so I start hearing Terrence and Sean, and I'm like, I'm like, damn, man. All right, I, I'll fight him. If nobody else will, I'll fight him. You know, with, with me, it's 100% the competitive spirit that I have and the willingness to fight someone who a lot of people feel he's, he's feared. And a lot of people don't want to fight him. A lot like me taking on Errol Spence Jr. I know what I can do, and you give me an opportunity, and I'm going to do it. I'm not going to let anything stop me, you know? So really the only thing stopping me, preventing me from fighting Terrence Crawford is the fact that he and I both haven't said yes. If he's willing to say yes, the fight will happen. But that's one fight that I really am not going to, at least I don't think I'm going to really pressure uh, because that's something I just never saw myself doing. I never saw myself fighting Terrence Crawford. Um, but because everybody says they want that fight, now I'm starting to manifest it myself. I'm not even going to lie to you, BC. I was hitting a bag last night in the dark, and on my mind was Terrence Crawford. So it is what it is. <laughs> does, it, uh, does it upset you at all when you see these big, welterweight fights going down, whether it's Spence, Garcia, uh, guys calling for, no, it's got to be Crawford and, and Spence, um, Pacquiao and somebody. And no one calls out Sean Porter. You know what I mean? Does, <laughs> yeah. does that upset you at all? No, it doesn't. I think that um, the sport of boxing is changing. Uh, I, I know that I am an entertainer. At the end of the day, I am paid to entertain. And I don't think a lot of other fighters understand that and know that. I think that they look at themselves just as fighters and just as a, a fighter who has to hold on to an undefeated record or has to fight um, the biggest name fighters out there and will, will not, quote unquote, settle for some, someone else because they don't have a belt or someone else being myself because I don't necessarily have that record that other fighters have. It doesn't bother me because I understand what these fighters are going for. However, I do understand that every time I go out there, I'm not going out there just to uh, beat a fighter or just to uh, keep th now three behind the, the, the wins that I have and keep my win column at, at my lose column at three, at three. I'm also going out there to entertain people. And, and a lot like my fight with Errol Spence Jr. At the end of the day, if I win or lose, my fight with, with, with Keith Thurman, win or lose, it was unbelievable. I can't believe, I look at those highlights, I'm like, I cannot believe that was me. 
But on the other side of it, I understand that there were so many people that were entertained and satisfied with what we were, what we did that losing really wasn't the worst thing that could have happened. The worst thing that could have happened in that situation was a letdown to the crowd and a letdown to everyone that watched. So it doesn't bother me. I'm just waiting my opportunities and, and letting God lead me. That's all. You, you mentioned Errol Spence. Obviously, we had uh, Errol. Uh, we had his trainer on, Derek James, as well. And, you know, I asked him about the comment about uh, Derek uh, being overrated as a trainer. And, and I, I'm sure you probably heard Derek's response uh, yeah. about, hey, look, we've taken every belt that Sean Porter has ever had. So what does that say about <laughs> his trainer? Uh, and number one never talks about number two. Yeah. Uh, what, what's your response to that? Uh, that's, that's actually why I was, I hit you up because I said, man, I don't know what happened, but things just got misconstrued. I didn't say what everyone is saying I said. Uh, and before it was just about promoting my podcast. So we were talking about who, who could we get to promote the podcast? And I was like, oh yeah, eventually we're going to be BC show. And then that comes out, I was like, oh, I gotta, I gotta hit him up right now. I gotta get on the show, you know? <laughs> so I said, I just wanted to clear my name. I don't think that uh, that uh, Derek James is a bad coach. I don't know his coaching style to the point where I can judge how he is as a coach. So I think at that point in time, I was just speaking on him having two championship fighters and whether or not those fighters would be champions if he was in their corners. And at first thought, I said, yeah, no, those guys would be champions without him. And then I actually got a chance to see him go to work with Jamel Charlo. And I heard some things in the corner. I said, okay, this guy knows his stuff. He, he, he's, a, he's a really good coach. And these guys could be champions without, the, without him. However, he is a component in their career. So um, if, I think if anything, I may not have given him the, the credit that I think maybe other people would, would expect. And, and now just so, so we have an understanding, the credit is there. Um, I just have not worked with him one-on-one. -on -one. So at that point in time, I really didn't know if he was that kind of trainer. But I heard some things in that, 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 uh, that corner when he, was, uh, when he had Jamel Charlo in his last fight. And obviously, we've seen him game plan against me, against Brick Kill Brook, against, uh, also against um, Lamont Peterson. So we've seen some good things from him. You know? So I think he's a really good coach out there. Uh, as far as him taking my belts, congratulations. You know, it's a part of the game. And um, it is what it is, but uh, I look forward to getting back in the ring against him, whether that's uh, Errol Spence Jr. Or, or any other of the fighters that he's got out there. I'm, I'm in here to compete and show that I'm the best. And I don't think that even in, the, in losing the fight with Errol Spence Jr., I don't think I showed that uh, or he showed that he's a better trainer than my dad. And I don't, really don't think that his, his fighters showed that he's a better fighter than me. I just think it was that night. And, and the judges and in and, and the night, you know, it was a great night. Yeah. Um, listen, I already know how you get down, especially when it comes to being in shape, uh, top shape. You know, Coach Wade is always pushing you to the limits. And, and I remember when you were champion and you had the belt, you hear like different fighters whispering like, yo, I know how active Sean Porter is. There's no way any fighter can be that active and throw that many punches and have that kind of pace in the ring, he, he's got to be on something. Did, did, did any of those whispers ever upset you? None, none. Um, I am someone who just relies on what I, what I, what I do. Uh, even as a broadcaster now, it's never been 
a thing of me listening to what people have said about me and me making changes based on what I feel other people have said about me. Uh, the, the name of the show is the Port Away Podcast for a reason. Like the things that I do and the way that I do them is just a port away. Uh, it, Wade is an extension of my dad. My dad has just really honed on into everything that God has made me to be. And my, my heart just pumps a little differently, you know? So I actually relish in those moments when people talk about me uh, possibly doing su uh, uh, substances because I'm like, man, you're just, you're really just, you know, stating how good I really am. You know, you're really, you're, you're, you're commending me. Uh, and even though you're, you're questioning me, I feel like I'm being commended uh, for, for what I do. So, um, you know, all I do is smile at it. I, and I, and I, I feel it, it, it makes me feel very, uh, very gracious that I can do something that most people won't, aren't able to do without any, anything extra. Uh, at, at the highest level, how prevalent do you think it is in the sport? What, what's that? It's like substances? Yeah, guys, guys using. You know, using I, stuff. I don't know. I really don't know. Like, like for instance, I take an iron pill. I have an iron deficiency. I take vitamins, uh, just things that you need that you aren't able to get through through food and nutrition every single day. I think a lot of fighters out there do that. They're starting to understand how to do that. I think one thing that I do that a lot of fighters don't do is I take care of my body. I do a lot of different treatments. I have a, I have a cold tub right here in my garage, sauna, jacuzzi, things like that. I, I take care of my body and I think that, and also getting rest. And I think that along doing that along the way in a camp, a lot of guys have not figured out the equation to being able to rest, nutrition, and lose weight and stay strong and all of that. We just really have uh, figured out the recipe to my success. And um, I think a lot of other fighters really have not figured that out. I think a lot of other fighters do like protein drinks and stuff like that. But I, I, And I'm very optimistic. So I, I really don't feel like a lot of other fighters out there are doing anything that's, that's foul play. Hmm. Uh, how, how, or when do you, I should say, when do you see Sean Porter moving up to 154? You know what? I don't know. Um, I had a conversation with my dad about that this summer It was during the COVID and, and the quarantine. And, um, I was just hanging with my family and things like that. I think at that point in time, when I had the conversation, I felt like it was something that needed to be done. Um, because of the layoff and because of being out of the ring and out of training and things like that. But the way that we were able to make 147 in this last fight with Cormella was amazing. And um, so now we're, we're in a position where we're gaining, we're going to gain muscle and, and, and improve my strength and my power. And uh, if we see anything different along the way with trying to get back down to 47, then we'll make the move. But right now, everything is, is, is very comfortable at 147. And, and and that leads me into how many more fights then do you see yourself at 147? You know what? I don't know. I don't know. Um, and, and and I'm not just saying this. I really am allowing God to lead me. Uh, I, I just, I listen and, 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 and I, and I reflect on what I should be doing. The fight with Formella was never supposed to happen. Uh, I had done multiple interviews and they're saying, Hey, they're talking about bringing boxing back without fans. Are you going to do that? I said, hell no. I was like, I just fought at the Staples Center. You think I want to fight in front of nobody? That's not going to happen. And then I'm just sitting around, and I hear something tell me, like, hey, you got to get back in the ring. 
you, it's you that has to be the one to show all those other fighters out there that it can be done. And that's why the fight with Formella was made, you know. So I'm just waiting on the guidance and, and, and of course, my, my, my team, my dad, to tell me which way to go. And, and, and along those lines, uh, who are the names that you got to have at 147 before you move up? Mm, that's that gotta have is it that's an interesting one i think i think really the gotta have is manny pacquiao i don't think terrence crawford is a gotta have but that's a fight that i would really like um and then other that other than that i mean i've been in the ring with all the other guys you know so you just you line them up you tell me when and you and 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 i'll make it entertaining and, and go out there and beat them you know I, don't, I think the gotta have is manny pacquiao and probably the next really want is Terrence Crawford. <laughs> Other than that, man, they, they come when they come. Um, uh, 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 talking about those big fights, whether it's been Kell Brook, uh, whether it has been Keith Thurman, uh, whether it's been Errol Spence, when you look back on those key fights, what's the one thing that you said, man, if I could do it all over again, I would probably do this in those fights. What is that? Uh, the Kell Brook, that, that one's simple. I simply was out of my mind. I was coming off of a, I, I know this, I was coming off of a big win with Pauli Malignaggi and getting in the ring with Kell Brook. He had, I don't remember how long he had been pro at that point. I think he was close to 30 and no, 25 and no, something like that. And I, and I was just looking at him like, you're not on my level. And I just knew I was out of my mind for 12 rounds thinking I was going to touch him and knock him out. And when it didn't happen, the decision didn't go my way. And right there, I was like, Never again will you get in the ring and just be so focused on one thing and be so headstrong feeling like one thing is going to happen. And I've been able to adjust and do different things in every fight since that fight. That was a big learning lesson for me. The fight with Keith Thurman, I always said, man, I don't, I don't know what I could have done to, to, to win that fight. I think that fight with, 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 with uh, Keith Thurman, I think there were points where I stayed there too long and I allowed myself to get hit, and his punches were, were a little heavier than mine, and my work rate was higher than his and things like that. But I think there were just moments that I gave up rounds. And I think the same thing ended up happening against Earl Spence Jr. I think I learned from that with the fight with Keith Thurman, so my pace was a little different with, with Earl Spence Jr. But I think there still were some moments where I stayed there a little too long, especially the moment where I got hit with a big hook and, uh, and, my, and my hand touched the canvas. So I think with those two guys, especially, it would just be the pacing and being smarter and knowing when you're standing up too long and, and knowing when to get out. Sean, what, what is your ultimate goal in the sport of boxing? <sighs> Good question. You know what? I'm not, I'm really not sure what my ultimate goal is. I'm really not, I'm not sure. Um, I think I'm not sure because I'm waiting to be led. Hmm. Um, I, and I'll be honest with you, for, for a long time, my, I had two goals. Number one was winning the WBC title, and number two was beating Errol Spence Jr. The, I, made, I made both of those goals, I think, in 2016 or two, 2017. I made both of those goals. And, uh, and they both have come, the WBC, as well as fighting Errol Spence Jr. So maybe, if anything, maybe getting in the ring and, and beating him. But I don't think it'll mean as much if he gets beat by Danny Garcia or – if I get passed up on the opportunity and he, he ends up fighting and losing to Terrence Crawford, you know, I don't think, I think then that goal won't mean as much. Hmm. Uh, listen, you have definitely made a really nice transition uh, into broadcasting, calling fights. Uh, as you talked about the Porterway, you've got your own podcast. Yeah. Um, it, it, is that your future? 
Is yeah. that your future once once boxing's over? That along with some things. Um, I was just on the line with Stone about a week ago about getting um, uh, uh, getting um, uh, certified to become a life coach. That is definitely in my future. I have a future in helping other athletes, helping professional men, professional black men obtain their goals, understanding how to be goal oriented, understanding how to um, plan for your future, uh, understanding even from a psychological standpoint, how to um, control your emotions, control your, 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 your psyche, even in camp. I know a lot of these guys have hard camps. It wears down on them mentally, physically, emotionally. I'm here to help. You know, that's my ultimate goal as a, as a human being is to help this world. And so I'm definitely going to get a, a life coaching uh, certification. I'm going to start doing that professional athletes. And of course I'm on my way right now as a broadcaster. That's something I always knew I was going to do. Um, was actually on the phone with someone this, someone this morning, and I told them, never saw myself broadcasting boxing. Uh, my whole life, I, I always boxed and played football, but when I wasn't playing football, I was watching it. When I wasn't boxing, was never watching boxing. Football, was always watching football, and I always wanted to be a commentator and a broadcaster. I'm, I didn't know it was going to be boxing, but the crazy part about it is I absolutely love talking boxing. And 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 I, and I love it, man. So that's definitely something I'm going to do for a long time. You know, you've talked about your father, and he certainly played a vital role in your life, obviously being your trainer. And, and you know, you hear so many people say, I just feel like um, Sean's father is too domineering. It seems like Sean's father is like living his life through his son, so to speak. Um, well, can you explain the, the relationship you and your father and has it changed now that you've got your own family and you've got your own son? My dad, uh, we just, I just talked with my wife this morning. We're going to invite my dad over for Thanksgiving. My dad lives literally around the corner. I can, I can get on my bike, I have a, a, a road bike that I use. I can get on my bike and coast all the way to his house. The thing about my dad and <clears throat> I, I'll just, I'll, I'll make it very quick, but the things that Bob Aram has come out and said about Terrence Crawford all of that stays at home. You don't bring that stuff to the light. You don't let people in on intimate things like that. That's an intimate situation. Eventually, it will become a business situation that's public. But at that capacity, that's intimate and it stays in house. My dad and I have gone through things that no one in the world will ever know about unless he and I feel they should know about them or want them to know about them. There's just things that people will never understand. There's been moments that we've had that have, have crushed us. There's moments that we've had that have brought us to our highest. But those are moments that are between he and, he and I. And if we bring that to the light, we will. When people talk about my dad, he's uh, dominating you and he's controlling you and your career and he's living through you. He won't let you be your own man and all that kind of stuff. It goes in one ear and right out the other because I know my relationship with my dad. However, I will tell you this, over the course of the last two years, my dad has gone through some things for himself and, and he and I have gone through some things that have made us tighter than we've ever been. And I know that the world thought thought at one point we were tight. The world knew at one point, the Porter Duel, man, those are the guys right there. We weren't even like that. But now we're like this. And, I, and I've had conversations with my dad. I said, hey, I said, we're, we're at a place now and I ain't going back, all right? Right here, is where, right here is where we stay. I said, don't go anywhere. So let's fix this right now, you know? I've had to grab my dad recently by the head and look at him and say, hey, we ain't doing this. Let's let's get it right, you know. And 
and my dad are like this man and I don't intend on us ever parting. Um, but our, our relationship is the way we want it to be. The professional side of our relationship is the, is the way we want it to be. Uh, even, even my broadcasting, he really does not deal with that very much, but I just come in and come in up against something right now and I don't have to include him, but I was out. And as I was walking into the house, I have this conversation with you. I said, you know what? I'm going to call my dad a little bit later because I just want him to know what's going on. It's how I want things. So yeah. it's not just how he wants things, you know? So we have a beautiful relationship, man. And I love it. He loves my children. He loves my family and, and we're good. That's great. I love it. All right, Sean, uh, people who watch uh, the show, we allow them to submit questions. So we got a number of them for you here and let's get right to them uh, from social media. Uh, we'll start from Twitter. Uh, this one from Xavier, he says, who has the better punching power, Danny or Errol? I always tell people, if you want to know how, how hard somebody hits, let them hit you. You know, um, I really do think that in the, in the midst of the battle and that adrenaline is so high, a lot of it you don't feel. A lot of it is you, you feel yourself get touched and you know, like, hey, that's, that's a moment right there. You got to get that moment back, you know, things like that. Um, but I think that the case in point of Errol Spence being able to allow, make my hand touch the canvas, I think that's a testament to his power. And um, I also think that he hit me more than, than Danny Garcia did in, the, in our match. So I would have to say Errol Spence Jr. is the heart of puncher. Brandon from Facebook asked, why didn't you have a rematch clause for Kell Brook? Um, that was something that happened like the week of the fight. Uh, and that's just, I think that's one thing people don't really know about contracts, but sometimes not all of it is inked in way, way back when the fight is announced. A lot of that doesn't get inked in until, you know, shortly, shortly before the fight, you know, and that was a situation where it was almost like we, there was no turning back, either have the fight or relinquish the title and, you know, we did what we had to do. This one from Twitter, it says, be honest, do you truthfully believe Crawford is avoiding you? No, I don't. I don't think Crawford is avoiding me. I think Crawford wants the best for his career. And I think even him right now, I think he looks at me and he says, you know, we're boys and everything, but you got three losses and I'm not going, I'm not going to fight you because you got three losses. I want one of the undefeated guys that, that has a belt and one of the guys that everybody thinks uh, is better than you. And I think that that's what he's looking at. And, you know, I, to each his own. I don't, I don't uh, hate him for that. And, and, and if I'm wrong, you know, maybe we'll have a conversation. He'll tell me that I'm wrong. But that's just, from my opinion, what I'm looking at. I think that he's looking at, you know, guys who are undefeated. I, and I have to say this. Manny Pacquiao is not undefeated. We all understand that. But, but Manny Pacquiao is a legendary fighter in this sport. There's no way around it. And we all want a piece of that action. Yeah. Um, this one from Twitter. It says, what did you learn from the Udenis Ugas fight? Uh, I learned don't get in the ring and do something different without telling people you're going to do something different. <laughs> I think, I think that everybody expected me to be Sean Porter that they saw against a lot of other fighters. And when they didn't see that, I think they got that, they un misunderstood what was going on. We had a game plan in the box. And I think that my dad saw after maybe two rounds that boxing him was all we needed to do. And I trust my corner and I did what my corner asked me to do. Uh, we were able to get out of there with the, with the decision. I think that even the judges were expecting something different from me. And when they didn't get that, I think they felt that 
I wasn't doing what they expected because of uh, because of Udenis Ugas, when in fact, we made a game plan before we got in the ring and we saw how effective it was and we stayed with it. I'm not going to fight again without telling people what I'm going to do because they need, they need to understand who's coming to the ring. <laughs> got it. Uh, this one from Joe from Facebook. He says uh, he would like to know if your aggressive style requires more intensive training and does that hurt you in the end when it comes to these fights? You know what? I, I have had to uh, think about that and assess that myself. I'm not going to change who I am as a fighter. I can't. It's my DNA to be a rough, hard, uh, leave it all in the ring, fight with your heart kind of guy. But along with that, I, I have understood that. I mean, we do, we do, we do all of the training that we need to do to get prepared for a fight. We don't overtrain and we don't undertrain. I think I do a lot of things that other guys don't do, which is why you see me have the kind of work rate that I have. I swim. Not a lot of other guys swim. Um, I do. I do a lot of other different breathing techniques and things like that. Um, but I have also looked at my rounds of boxing and felt like, okay, well, right there, you did your punch output was a lot higher than maybe it needed to be in order for you to win that round. But, but on the other side of it, I understand that overwhelming guys and putting a lot of pressure on them, not only physically, it, it wears them down mentally as well. So it's, it's, it's a tough one to teeter and I'm, and I'm working with it. And, um, you know, I think I'm making good adjustments. I think a good adjustment against Aerosmith Jr. where it wasn't just gas mashed on the pedal and a lot like it was against Kell Brook and, and Keith Thurman. And, and um, I think there's just one more adjustment that needs to be made. The great part about it is I'm healthy and, uh, and, I'm, and I'm young and, and I can make those kind of adjustments. So you have not seen the best Sean Porter yet. Oh, I like that. It's crazy. Uh, I can say that. You haven't. I like that. Uh, this one from Twitter, uh, Dr. Hitman. He says, out of the three welterweights, Thurman, Garcia, and Spence, who was the most difficult and why? Keith Thurman. Keith Thurman. I, why? Game planning against Danny Garcia, I'm not going to say it was easy, but we, we basically knew what we needed to do. We had, and we also brought in Barry Hunter. That was the first time Barry, we had Barry in camp. We have been working with Barry since I turned pro and even since before I turned pro. But that was the fight where um, – my dad saw what Barry did with Lamont against Danny, and he wanted to add that to the program. So we game planned against Danny, and it basically worked the exact way we wanted it to. Um, and the same thing with, with Errol Spence Jr. I think we we had a very good game plan with Errol Spence Jr. I think it practically played out the way we, we wanted it to. I think just a few hiccups along the way, the biggest hiccup right there in the 11th round. But with, with uh, Keith Thurman, I think Keith, out of the three of those guys, he's the one who's who's most likely to do what you don't expect him to do. Uh, he has a way of getting you to getting a, a way of getting you to really bait you in and get you to do what he wants you to do. And so I think even though I controlled the ring against Keith and things like that, I think he still was able to kind of bait me into his, his, his fight where he wanted to fight things like that. And so I think it was just a little, little harder to prepare for and, and, and also a little harder to, to fight against uh, in the, in the, in the ring. Uh, his follow-up on here says, which one out of the three would you like most want to rematch with? I would assume it's Errol Spence. I, I think it's Errol Spence. If not Errol, it's got to be Keith. I think Keith, I think that's a fight out there that would be a lot of fun to promote and a lot of fun to, uh, to, 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 to play out again. 
I think the fight with with Errol Smith Jr. I'm I'm gunning for that dude, man. And 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 uh, you know I I respect both guys, but I I do think that I might want to fight with Keith Thurman a little bit more. I think it would be a little more fun along the way. You don't always get to have that kind of fun. Uh, Juan from Facebook says, "Why should you continue to get world title opportunities?" when you've already lost title shots against three of the top guys? Easy answer. When you're losing close fights against those guys, that's what, this, that's what happens at this level. You, you get to a point where you're not going to hit everybody with every jab that you're going to throw. It's not going to be the basic one-two that's going to win you the fight. You have to be able to adjust and do different things in the ring. And I've been able to do that against everybody that I've fought, especially the top guys, Danny Garcia, Errol Spence Jr., Keith Thurman. When you're, when you're contending the way that I am with those guys, even though you're losing, when it's razor thin and it's that close, people want that again. People want to see that again. And at the end of the day, like I said before, we're entertainers. People want to be entertained more than they want a winner and a loser. At the end mm. of the day, I think people want a winner and a loser. But if they're entertained, they're going to be gracious no matter what. And that's what you get when I'm in the ring. You're going to get some entertainment and you're going to get a, a, an exciting, unbelievable match. And that's why, even though I even though I have three losses and three against the top guys in the, in the world, people want to see me against those guys in the world. And if even if it aren't those guys, they still want to see me in the ring. And it's because of what I do. Uh, last one. This one from Vince from Facebook says, "As a broadcaster and a fighter, I would love to hear your take on this. Hearing Wilder on the Last Stand say that Fury's gloves were loaded with egg weights." Uh, that Fury's glove hand wasn't all way all the way in the in his glove. In today's boxing, can any of that happen? That's that's the toughest part for me is understanding what happens in the corner, what happens in the back room before the fight, what happens the day before the fight when you're looking at gloves and and all of that kind of stuff. I just can't see it happening. Um, I would love for him to hire some investigators to investigate this for him. I think as long as he's the one coming out with information and he's the one saying, making all of the accusations as they are right now, I think everyone's going to look at him like he's a sore loser. He, I've seen some evidence. I've seen some videos. I've seen some things. And you're like, you kind of, you're turning the, you're turning the eye. You're like, this could have happened, but it's very hard for me to fathom it because of, the way the sport is is it works nowadays. It just it's so hard for for that kind of stuff to get overlooked. And uh, even in the ring, Kenny Bayless is one of the greatest referees in the world of all time. I just don't think there's something like that that he would miss. You know, so I, I would appreciate if 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 uh, Deontay understands that the world's not against you. The world loves you. Most of us still love you, love you, no matter what you went through in the ring, no matter how many losses you have, whatever the case may be. And we want you to get back in the ring, whether that's Tyson Fury or anyone else. Um, and I think with that being said, man, he should have some other some other people uh, really look into this and figure out what's going on. John Porter, we've come to the last segment of this show. We call it the last stand. I'm going to ask you a serious question. You give me the first thing that comes to your mind. You ready? Yeah, let's do it. Some say 135, others say 154. In your opinion, what is the best division in boxing? Well, 147 is the best division in boxing. 
I, I think that 130 is the new one is the new 147. I think right now 130 and 135, they have some great athletes, young kids, guys who really want to get after it. And that's what this sport needs right now. 140, 135, 130 is the new 147. Uh, listen, I know you're in the fashion. How would you describe Sean Porter's style? Um, I, my style is the Porter way, man. Uh, I'm just, I'm different. I think, so I think, <laughs> honestly, this is how it happened. What happened was growing up, I have two older brothers. I always wore the hand-me-downs. So when it came time to go to church, I always had the hand-me-downs. Graduations at school, fifth grade, going into middle school, middle school, going into high school. I looked bummy and I hated it. And so when, when I got some money, I just wanted to buy a suit. I bought a suit and um, at the suit was at home and I see someone at, at a fight show and it's a fighter and he's wearing a suit. And so I'm like, okay, I think next time I'm going to wear my suit to the fight. Once I wear my suit to the fight, no one else has a suit on. And I'm like, this is me. This is my thing. I couldn't afford uh, all those name brands back in the day, FUBU and uh, Sean Carter and, and, and or uh, Sean John and, and all. I couldn't afford all that stuff and and I had to wear the hand-me-downs and so once I got some money and could acquire my own things I didn't want what everybody else was wearing I wanted to wear my own stuff and so that's why you always see me in suits or you see me in, in gear that just is not recognizable because I can always make it mine and so my style is the Porter way <laughs> I love it I love it okay you're Ohio native from Cleveland, sir. what franchise has given Cleveland more disappointment? Is it the Browns, the Indians, or the Cavs? I think the most disappointment has to be the Indians because we've come back close a few times now, I think two, if not three times. Um, but I, I have a feeling that Northeast Ohio especially is a football region. We're all about football. We we put we put players in the NFL every single year. And so with that being said, I have a feeling that even though the Indians have come close and dropped a few, I got a feeling people are still more disappointed that the Browns have not been able to turn around and do the things that they're that they've been able to do this year, being now seven to three. Is Baker Mayfield the answer? I don't know. I had this conversation with my boys yesterday. I don't know. I can't give up on him because he is a number one pick and because I don't think we have a second option right now. We got Case Keenum, but I, I don't think Case Keenum's the guy. I think we, we drafted this dude and we got to stay behind him until he gets injured or asked to be, to be traded because if, if he's a Browns player and he's a starter, we got to rock. We got to ride with him. Okay. I got just said he got a lot of toys. Yeah. He got a lot of weapons around him and he just loves Yeah, how are you how pedestrian. Are you this up, you know? Yeah. So, <laughs> All right. We gotta Give me play. your top five welterweights right now in the world. Top five welterweights. In the uh, oh I think it's very simple. Um Keith Thurman, Terrence Crawford, Errol Spence Jr., Manny Pacquiao, Sean Porter. Mm. Hey, Keith Thurman number one? You know what? No, 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 no. There's no order. Okay. No order there. Don't don't put me in that corner. Okay, <laughs> okay. But but I'm taking Keith out and I'm putting Danny in. Okay. Danny been Danny's been more busy. He's 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 been busy, the busier fighter of the two, and uh and and I just don't think that Keith is who he used to be at this point. Mm. Interesting. Last but not least, finish this statement. A year from now, 
Sean Porter will be um a year from now. Man. I don't know. A year from now, Sean Porter will be uh surprised at where he is. A year <laughs> and surprised at where he is. <laughs> a year from now, Sean Porter will be surprised at where he is. Got I got it. Hey, listen. I love this, man. This was good. There's no telling, man. I, I love who I am. I love what God has made me. I love what, I, what, I, what I'm able to be, what I'm afforded to be, to be to everyone from a sports standpoint, from a broadcasting standpoint, and even from just being a person. A quick story for you. Um, I was at, at McDonald's uh, just yesterday for my family, not for me. And uh, and somebody's next to me, and I think they heard my voice. And he looked, and he's in in the in at the screen next to me. He says, "Is that Sean Porter?" I'm like, "What's up, man?" So he pulls up, and I pull up. So, "What's up, man? How you doing?" Talk to him for a minute. He says, "You're a Christian, right?" I said, "Yeah." He says, "I'm headed to a Christian function right now." I was like, "Okay, cool. Yeah." He said, "We all get together uh, on Mondays." I was like, "Okay, cool." I said, "You, you taking breakfast for everybody?" He says, uh, "No, not this time. Usually." I do, but not this time. I said, well, how many of them are there? He said, oh, it's about 10 to 15 of us. I said, do you have time? He said, for what? I said, well, if I if I give you money, can you can you get everybody some food? He says, he said, yeah. I said, was 20 enough? He said, yeah, that's enough. I said, man, get everybody some food. I love that I can be that. I don't think many, I don't think uh, Manny Pacquiao or Floyd Mayweather can just sit at a McDonald's and then be able to bless someone like that. Like I love who I'm able to be all day, every day, man. And so I'm just gracious even to you for allowing me to, to, to waste your time today. Uh, it's certainly not a waste of time. Anytime I can spend with you, man, it, it is time well spent, my brother. Yeah, thank uh, you. Thank I, you. I thoroughly enjoy You know what? And what I want to do, man, I, we finally got some new merchandise, so I got to send you a last stand shirt. That way right, you can cool. use it when you're working out or whatever. I'm with it, man. I'm with it, 100%. I appreciate it, folks. That's what we do here on The Last Stand. We bring you the biggest names in sports and entertainment, just like Showtime, Sean Porter. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next week. God bless. Thank you.